everyone. Test one, two. Can you hear me back there? It's kind of loud, isn't it? Well, welcome. My name's John Woodall, and uh, it's a treat for me to be here tonight. Thank you. You know, I'm doing this uh, part of the prayer called Lead Us Not Into Temptation. I was trying to remember whether Brad asked me because he thought I'd experienced this the most or whether I volunteered because, you know, I'd probably be the oldest guy in the room and could probably talk the most about this idea about temptation. So I just want to tell you, I'm glad to be here tonight because this is an idea, this is a, a truth that we all wrestle with, I think, every single day. And uh, it's been a subject, it's been an issue uh, in my own life, and um, I don't hesitate to talk about it with you tonight openly, talk about some of the wins, some of the losses. But before I talk to you, I want you to talk to one another, and I have a question for you. We're going to talk about temptation, and uh, if you came with somebody or if you're sitting around some new friends, I want you to take just a couple of minutes and tell one another what you remember was your first temptation. Go all the way back. I don't care if your mind goes to when you were one, if you were two, if you were three. I want you to go back to the very first time that you can remember that you were tempted and share with the person next to you what, what it was. I think I know what it is. I'll tell you the top three, but go ahead and uh, just share with the person next to you what your first memory of temptation was. Go ahead. Take a couple of minutes on this. Can we bring the house lights up just a little bit? Did anybody say that they haven't had their first one yet? <laughs> now, how many of you, uh, when you think about, all right, just a couple minutes. When you, um, when you talked about your first temptation, how many of you were in sort of the category of lying? Uh, yeah, we got some liars in here. Uh, how many of you, it, it was something that you stole? You stole something, Yeah. Uh, how many was it kind of like a disobedience? You didn't do what your mom or dad said? Yeah. So uh, I, um, I was trying to remember some of my first one. I knew that it was, had something to do with stealing. I, I had a really stupid thing go on. One time when I was really little, I, there was a pocket knife. I went into a Walmart. Back in my day, it was called a Kmart. And there was a little pocket knife. It was about this big. It was only a $5 little pocket knife, and I remember being in Kmart, and I took the knife, and I just kind of, I dropped it in my pocket, and to cover up me stealing that knife, I went and picked up a $7 model, and I paid $7 for a model so I could hide this $5 knife. Now, somebody teach the boys some math, like, you know, I walked out, I was busted, I, I go walking out of the store, and this guy goes, hey, little fella, come here. And, uh, I mean, I remember it was like it was yesterday. Now I want you to turn to the people that you just talked to and tell them what your number one temptation is today. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't want you to do that. My dad used to do that. We'd be, uh, we would be in a circle of friends, and he would, he would say to people, like, why don't you share with one another what your favorite sin is? Like, come on, Dad, you don't, you don't really believe that. All right, so um, we're going to make this a little interactive tonight. I want to ask you this. I'm going to put a definition up on the screen in just a minute on what is the actual definition of temptation, but I want you to talk to me for just a couple of minutes. If you were to explain to somebody what is temptation, 
how would you define it or how would you describe it? Uh, let me hear from those of you that don't care speaking in front of a medium-sized crowd. I can't see your hands yet. So just, uh, yeah, what, how would you dis- define temptation or describe it? Okay, an enticing force to have you do something that you know sh- you shouldn't? How many would go with that? That's a pretty good definition. Just throw the word enticing in there and you're pretty close. Yeah. Who else would want to take a stab? What is temptation? How would you describe it or define it to somebody? You know, you know what goes on. You know you experience it, but how would you define it or describe it? Somebody else. Yeah. Anything that what? Anything that attempts to lead you away from God in your relationship with God. Yeah, one more. Okay, it's an internal battle that goes against our better judgment. Oh, it clouds our better judgment. Man, those are all excellent. Um, I think I want to stay with your definition. But I, I got one. I got the help of uh, one of these old 1828 um, dictionaries. Look at what it says. Temptation is the solicitation of the passions, enticements to evil, that was said, proceeding from the prospect of pleasure or advantage. Now, I know it sounds formal. I know it sort of sounds 1828-ish, Daniel Webster-ish. But I think it nails exactly what's going on in you and me as it relates to temptation. It's a solicitation of the passions. It's an enticement to evil proceeding from the prospect of pleasure or advantage. Now, as we go into this conversation tonight, one of the things that I would want you to do and keep this internal, keep it to yourself tonight through this talk, is I want you to think about your biggest temptation. It could be your biggest temptation, or it could be your last temptation. And think about it, sort of run it through this this grid. Was it an enticement to evil proceeding from the prospect of pleasure or advantage? That's normally what it is. Now, what I want to do tonight is I want to give you just a few ideas around this thing on temptation. What's really, really cool for me being here is the idea that I'm going to share with you tonight. I actually got right after I got out of college, which for me was about 35 years ago. I'm going to date myself. But the idea that I'm going to share with you is an idea that I came across when I was 22 years old. This idea about what happens with temptation and the pattern and the things that go on with temptation and sin, I have seen this now, not only in the Bible 35 years ago, but I've seen it through my life experience. I've gone on, I've gotten married, I've had children, all my kids are married, I've got seven grandkids come, I've, I've lived quite a bit of life, and I've seen this thing about temptation. And I want to talk, if you have your notes, I want to Uh, give you a couple ideas here uh, tonight on just a few things to know about it. The first thing that I want to put up on the screen is that it is common to everyone, and it's never going away. It's common to everyone, and it's never going away. If you're sitting here tonight, and your life is still kind of private, it's still kind of to yourself, you haven't really opened up your mind, you haven't opened up your heart or your soul to somebody, and there's an internal struggle that you have going on, and you're thinking, and wondering to yourself, am I the only one thinking this? Am I the only, only one feeling this? Let me tell you tonight, you are not. 
what you're thinking about, what you are feeling, what you are struggling with as a man, as a woman, is common to everyone. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, uh, the scripture will, will put it up on the screen for you. It says this, no temptation has taken, overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you are able to endure it. It's one thing for me to say to us tonight that the temptation that you experience is common to all men and women. Uh, I remember the first time that I heard this. I, I don't even remember what age, but I remember the first time that I read or saw this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when he says, no temptations overtake you except what is common to all of us. It was strange, but there was kind of like a, a release in my mind. There was almost like a release in my body, like, I'm not, the only one going, I'm, I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not the only one thinking this way. I'm not the only one feeling this way. What you're thinking about, what you're wrestling with is common to everybody in this room. Now, I don't know if this is going to be good news or bad news to you. It's common to everyone. And I have discovered at least at the 57-year mark, I'm 57 years old, at least at 57, I have to tell you, that the struggle that you and I have with temptation, it never goes away. I really wish that I could tell you that the older I got, getting married, having a beautiful wife, having a family, you know, having a really good work to do, having a nice house. I drive a Chevy Impala, the nicest car in the city. It's white. It's totally vanilla. I would think that, you know, I would think that having all of that, including the Chevy Impala, that, you know, the struggle with temptation would go away. I don't know if that, when you guys get in discussion groups tonight, I'd like you guys to talk about that. What do you think about the idea that the struggle that's going on inside you and me, it never goes away? Once again, I was kind of strangely encouraged when I heard that. It's like, I'm not crazy. This is something that I really need to pay attention to, I think, for the rest of my life. Now, here's another thing I want you to see, and I want to spend the bulk of our time on this. The second point is, in temptation, there is a definite pattern. There is a definite pattern that you will see um, when we talk through this idea of, of temptation. The scriptures in James chapter 1, James is a writer, he says this, put it up on the screen, it says, when tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. The temptation that you have, that I have, it's not coming from God. It's coming from a different place. Here's what he says. Each of you is tempted when you are dragged away, here's what it says, by your own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Now stay with me. A lot of words. Like, what in the world is this guy talking about? I want to unfold a very definite pattern of sin. I'm going to give you the four words up front, and then you can write them in as we talk through. But the pattern that you will see in the Bible, in the pattern that you will see in your life, in the pattern that I see in my life, it goes just like this. You see something, you see someone, you see him, you see her. The next thing is you desire it. You desire her, you desire him. The next thing is that you take it. 
You take him. You take her. And then the last uh, part of that pattern is you hide it. You hide her. You hide him. You hide that thing. Uh, that, that pattern of seeing something, desiring something, taking something, and hiding it is a pattern that you see three times in Scripture. The very first time it shows up is when Adam and Eve, I don't know what you believe about the Bible. I actually believe that there was a literal Adam and Eve at the start of humanity. Uh, what sent the planet and what sent us in the downward spiral was a situation where they saw something. They desired to be wise like God. They took it when God said, don't take it. And then they hid themselves. They attempted to hide themselves from God. Second place it shows up in the Bible is with David and Bathsheba. Remember that story, King David? He's the time that men should be going out to war, men should be engaging in battle. He's looking over the wall and he sees a beautiful naked woman taking a bath. And he's standing there, and he's sort of in that moment, you know, he catches the glimpse like, oh, look at what's on the other side of the wall. He sees her, he desires her, then he takes her, and then he tries to hide and cover up the sin. Same thing, you find it another place in the Bible, in the book of Joshua, a guy saw treasures, he desired it, he took it, he hid it under his tent, and then he lied about it. So you see this pattern. I heard these four words when I was 22, 22 years old. And for the last 35 years, these four words have stayed with me every single day that I'm tempted. Because what we want to talk about when we say, lead us not into temptation, God is providing a way of escape at a very specific point in this pattern. Let's look at your notes there. Uh, let's kind of uh, unpack each one. So you see the first word, you see it. When you see with our eyes or in our minds. You've already heard this idea. You can't, you can't necessarily predict what you're going to see. I have an opinion. I think that probably one of the most beautiful, how do I say this? How do I say this right? One of the most, can I say the most beautiful things that God has made? is woman. God made sun, he made moons, he made stars, he made universe, he made giraffes, he made bunny rabbits, he made crickets, he made spiders, he made all of it. And he made male and he made female. And I think one of the most beautiful ideas in the mind of God, this is my opinion, was woman. And I think, guys, this is one of the reasons why Within our culture today and in life, this is one of the greatest struggles. Because a woman can bring a man, and a man bring a woman, the greatest pleasure or the greatest pain. Now, you can't help what you necessarily see. There is no sin or temptation when you see a beautiful woman that's walking you know, down the, the street or walking any particular place. That is not the place of temptation. The next one in terms of desire, this is taking the, the scripture from James. It says, each of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. Now, here's what happens. You've got this first point where somebody sees something, either with their eyes or in their mind. And it takes one step, in your case, to the right. It takes one step to the place of desire. And so now this is where you start turning things over in your mind. Now, I don't know what your reaction is to this phrase when it says, each of you is tempted when you're dragged away by your own evil desire. 
I don't know if you're reacting to me yet saying, wait a minute, pal, I don't know. I don't know if I have evil desires. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. Let me tell you my observation from the Bible and let me tell you observations from my own life. I believe contained within every man and every woman, there is a set of really good desires. You have desires in you, particularly if you've come to a place in your life and in your spiritual journey where you have begun a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. If you've started a relationship with God in Christ and the Holy Spirit has come into your being, there is within you this whole set of good desires. You, you love God. I'm a married man. I love my wife. I love my sons. I love my daughters. I have this whole set of beautiful, good desires within me. And I have a set of evil desires within me as well. Do I like to confess that to you? Not necessarily. But I want you to know this. I don't point a finger at you and I don't point a finger at me and say, oh, dude, you are evil. It's not that. I don't look at you and say, you are evil. That's not the issue. You have within you, I have within me, a whole set of evil desires. In other words, desires that want to do evil. The Bible calls it sin. Sin in you, sin in me, wants to fulfill an evil desire. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know whether it's coming from my heart, my lungs, my conscience, my brain, my soul. I don't know that. But I know this. I have a whole set of good desires to love God with all my heart, to love my wife as Christ loves the church, and a set of evil desires. I don't like to tell you this either, but almost every single day, every single day, I feel perpetually opposed by the world that's out there that wants to take me down by my own flesh or sinful nature that wants me to fulfill desires and destroy myself and from a very real devil that wants to kill you and kill me. It's real. It's every single day, and it never goes away. So if you're sitting there, you know, particularly for you guys, you know, I don't know how guys want to rank their top sins, whether it's lust, whether it's, you know, food, whether it's drink, whether it's buying, whether it's position. I don't know what the top sins of man are. I don't know what the top sins of woman are, whether it's beauty or desire or, you know, position or security. I, I, I'm not sure. But there's this mixture of desire, and when he says each of you is tempted, when you're dragged away by your own evil desire and you're, and you're enticed, then it says this, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, here's what I think this means. Um, let, let's take, forgive me, ladies, and I say this really with the deepest amount of respect. Let, let's just take the situation that you see the beautiful woman walking down the street. So you, you see someone, and you can think to yourself, my God, that she is beautiful, which is true. And she was made in the image of God. This is true. No sin there. But when it says this phrase, when it says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Something can happen in my mind. When I move from seeing to desire, and in my mind I stay at that place, and I take that sight, and I take that thought, 
and then I take it into the evil or the lustful place, somewhere in my mind, sin has conceived. I haven't done anything with it. I haven't gone up and asked her name or her phone number. I haven't done anything with it externally. It's all inside. So when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. I happen to believe this this is where Jesus said, hey, some of you have said that you should not look um, that you should not uh, commit adultery. So we go, okay, I think that's probably right. We probably shouldn't do that. Any adultery that I've seen has generally led on a downward uh, spiral. But uh, he says, I tell you that if you so look upon a woman to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. I think that actual, that, that actual thing can take place in a person's mind. So then what happens is somebody says, okay, I've seen it, I've seen him, I've seen her, I desire her. David looks over the wall, he sees her, he says to the guy, hey, I want that woman. So then he makes the decision to take her. And that's what it means here on take, it says, in sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to sin, it gives birth to death. Now here's what I think that means. You see something. Then you go along and you play it over in your mind. In other words, you don't take your mind and your thoughts captive. You just let them run crazy. This is where one of the problems is. You just let your minds go crazy. And so then somebody says, okay, I'm going to act this thing out. I'm now going to take it. I'm going to take him. I'm going to take her. And David looks over the wall and he goes, I'm going to take her. And what happens is the thing that happened in his mind, it became full grown. And so now he takes Bathsheba as his adulterous woman, and then it says when sin is full grown, it leads to death. If you continue to read the story of David and what happened with that, David ends up trying to hide it. He tries to have Bathsheba's husband killed. You know, there's all kinds of hiding that that goes on. Now stay with me for a second on this. We can read and talk about a biblical character named David and Bathsheba, but what about you? What goes on kind of in, in, in your story? This is the pattern. You see something, you desire it, you play it over in your mind, then you're making the decision, do I take it or not? And then once you've taken it, and once it becomes a part, now the hiding game takes place. So when you look at hiding, uh, in the notes there I say, there are many options after we give in to temptation. Let me ask you guys a question, let's keep this somewhat interactive. So somebody has seen something, they've desired it, they've taken it, and now they're hiding. What are... What are the options once somebody gets here in this pattern of sin? What are, what are some of the options that people have uh, in the hiding process? You know, wh- what goes on in their mind? What do they say to you? What have you said to others when you're kind of in this hiding place? What goes on in somebody's mind here? Anybody? What happens when somebody starts hiding? They start doing what? They start rationalizing it. What are other options? They rationalize it. They lie about it. There's a lot of cover-up. There's rationalization. They're lying about it. What else do you see sort of in this hiding period? They blame everyone else. Blame is huge. Anything else you see when you get to a hiding place or you see people that you love have gotten to a hiding place, what else do you see in it? Yeah. There's denial. I heard a guy say one time that your morality will dictate your theology. Your moral life, you'll start saying, ah, 
uh, I don't think that's, you know, I don't think God really meant that. There's all that kind of stuff. But the last option is when somebody gets to a place of hiding, look on the back of your notes. I want to uh, just give you a couple other points, and then we're going to kick it into conversation. Here's one of the things, and, and I'll come back to this in, on number four, um, on the point that I want to make, what do you do now that I've given in to temptation? But before I get there and finish that thought, I want you to look at number three when I ask, what is the best way to fight temptation? I just want to give you this one confession. I, for many years of my life, the way that I tried to fight temptation that was going on in my life, I tried to fight it with a whole sense of rules. Don't look, don't eat, don't drink, don't lie, don't steal, don't, don't, don't. And every single time that I tried to conquer temptation and sinful evil desires by a set of rules, it only kind of brought me down more. It was like, I can't do this. And the reason why that you cannot fight your temptation to any kind of sin through a set of rules is found here in Romans chapter 7, verse 8. If, if you love to read the Bible or you want to read a particular chapter tonight or this week, finish out with Romans 7. But here's one verse, Romans 7, verse 8. Um, it says this, it says, For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Stop right there. Paul, who wrote Romans, the letter to Romans, he's building this case about the law. He says, what's the purpose of the law? In other words, he's talking about the law of Moses. The law of Moses in the Bible, it shows up in the book of Exodus. And in the law, he has all this do not, do not, do not. And he says, do not covet. And Paul says, is the law sin? Is it bad? He goes, no, I would not have known what coveting was, except the law said, don't do it. But the law has basically said, hey, this is right and this is wrong. But you don't control it by do nots, do nots, do nots. Here's why. The next phrase, it says, but sin, this is the thing in you and me. When I'm talking to a group of men, I say to men, men, this is the beast in your chest. It's not you. It's not me. It's a part of you. It's a part of me. It's called sin. It's a beast that lives within the heart of every man and woman. It's the very reason that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die for us, to slay the beast, to overpower the beast, that we don't have to be a slave to it, so to speak. But he says, sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Here's what he's saying. Every time that you say don't, like do not do this, do not do that, sin in you, sin in me will spring to life. It's like, who made you king? Who made you queen? You're not in charge of me. I'm actually going to do more of it. I'm going to seize the opportunity of you saying don't do it, and I'm going to spring to life and even bring more of it. So if you don't control temptation by do not, here's the only way. I have it in your notes. You can only win by saying help. You can only win by saying help. I think that's there. You can only win by saying help. You want to know why this Lord's Prayer is so great on lead us not into temptation? The only way you and I are going to beat it is by saying, God, would you help me? Help me. Help me. Jesus, will you help me? 
please help me. I can't do it. You were never able, you were never designed to do it on your own. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, help me, lead me not into temptation. Not necessarily by what I see, because I can't help that, but help me right here as I begin to think about desires. Help me take my thoughts captive. Help change my mind here so that I don't take it and that I don't end up hiding it. The last thing here that I, I want to leave you with is, what do I do now that I've given into temptation? I'm not talking to a, a group of people that uh, y- you'll never get to a place. You'll never get to a place that you will not be tempted and that there will be times that you don't give in. You give in to it. And what I'm about to tell you, I don't say it from excuse, but I say it from reality. The world in which you and I live, even though there's a lot of beauty in it, there's a lot of goodness in and around it, it's a very hard place. Some of you have probably come out of incredible stories that you haven't even told people in your circle yet. It's a hard place. It's an evil place. It's a tough place. You know the old slogan, life is good? This guy's made a lot of money on Jack, you know, life is good. I'd like to change that. I'd like to say life is hard, but God is good all the time. Now, the reason why I say that, the reason why I go on that little sideline thing about how cruel and tough the planet is, is because there's going to be many times that you're going to be tempted and you're just going to satisfy the lust of your flesh and desires. It's a tough place. It's, it's easier to eat. It's easier to drink. It's easier to have sex. It's easier to look. It's easier to shop. It's immediately short-term satisfaction with long-term pain. I get it. I do it. I understand. But when you give in, when you fall, what do you do? Just a couple ideas here, and I'll wrap up. Every single time that you and I give in, it's not a matter of going and just hiding it. It's not a matter of staying in the darkness. But for me, I started a place that simply, I, I just say, God, I just want to thank you that you love me like you do. I would just start with a place of thanks. I know what it feels like to live in guilt and shame and sort of want to run away from the face of God like, God, you know, I did this again and I keep falling and I keep failing and, and you must be so ashamed of me and, and you must be so upset with me. Can I tell you something? That's not the heart of our Heavenly Father. The Heavenly Father sent Jesus and he says, I died for you. I understand that. So start with a place of thanks. God, thank you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. The other place that I would go is that I would find somebody that you feel comfortable or that you feel safe with and that you just begin to talk out exactly what's swirling around inside. I have three guys that are in my season of life. They're all in their mid-50s. And and I say this, and I'd say it if my wife was sitting on the front row here tonight. There are things that I say to my wife that I don't say to anybody else. And there are some things that I say to these three guys that I cannot tell my wife. My wife doesn't want to hear about internal, mental, emotional struggles that I'm necessarily going through, particularly if it relates to other women. She doesn't want to hear that. I get that. But I'm committed to this. And the place to get is come out of hiding 
and have no secrets in your life. I get to tell you tonight, I have no secrets. There isn't one piece of dirt that you can find out on me that I haven't either talked to my wife about or that I haven't talked to Rob Holly or one of my best friends about because I've purposed to be in a place of no secrets. I don't want any secrets in my life. So the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation. You're going to be tempted. It's common to every man and woman, and it's never going away. Just get used to it. It's part of the struggle that you'll have in life. There's a pattern to it. You see it. You desire it. You take it and hide. You want to fight the battle back here between seeing and desire. That's where you want to be winning the battle. And as I put on your notes on temptation, it's common to all people. But be an uncommon person. Common people, it's common to all men and women. You know what common men and women do? Common men and women fulfill all their desires, good and evil. You know what an, un an uncommon man would do? An uncommon woman would do? Is when she sees that, and then she desires it right at that place. It's like, God, would you please help me so that I don't take this and I don't hide this and that I don't destroy my own life and every life around me. Temptation, it's common to all people, but you can purpose to be an uncommon, an uncommon person to say, it's going to stop right here. Don't say don't, say help. Father, lead us not into temptation, and I promise you, he will be with you in it. Let's pray together, and then uh, we're going to um, kick it into small groups, I think. Um, I think I'm supposed to pray, and somebody else is going to come up. Yeah, we're going to sing or something like that. Let's pray together. Hey, thanks for listening. <clears throat> Father, um, thank you so much for the invitation to come here tonight. Um, to be with uh, just so many people that are wanting to grow in their relationship with you. Some are here tonight uh, wondering if you even exist, wondering how real you are, how personal, how intimate. And somehow, some way, through uh, what's been said tonight, through the conversations that will be had in a few minutes, that they would see how much you love them and how much you're with us. Thank you, Father, that you've given us everything that we need to fight the temptations that we feel every single day. Thanks for helping us, and I pray your blessing on this group and on these people in Jesus' name.